Hey, Real Talk listeners, welcome back. We are talking about toxic work environment. We're continuing the series because let's face it, we all feel that there's some sort of level of toxicity that we've either personally encountered or we've observed within a workplace, but is it really toxicity? So today we are talking about what are the different levels and what would we consider or discuss with uh, employees or leaders as what's considered toxic. So Michelle, you know, it's interesting because we see this quite a bit in workplaces. You see this in on Glassdoor. And a lot of the comments sometimes like, oh, that's just a disgruntled employee. You know, they're they're saying everything's toxic. It's that's intense and kind of over-exaggerating circumstances as well. Like let's talk through this, Michelle. Like how can we better evaluate this process? Because we've talked we talked about it a little bit on the last podcast, but really how do we sort through this? There's some bigger problems that stem from the overuse of a phrase like toxic. And I do think that there is some overuse of that term or we're not all playing with the same definition of what we mean when we say toxicity. And because of that, the the biggest challenge becomes that people get tired of hearing it because it's overused. And then in cases where where a situation truly is toxic, now we run the risk of it being ignored because people are just kind of done with it. And so let's start by talking specifically about what we mean when we use the phrase toxic. What we're talking about is a situation where another person uses manipulation, emotional attacks, and hopefully in a work environment, not physical, but could be physical assaults in order to create disruption in another person's life. So I think that becomes the key is to start looking at are we playing with the same definition when we say toxic? Because your boss turning down your vacation doesn't necessarily make a situation toxic. It makes your boss an asshole, but it does not make the situation toxic necessarily. So for me, that's the first thing is that we have to recognize that we're all saying the same thing and we use the appropriate words. So maybe a situation isn't toxic, it's just frustrating or it's not aligned with who you want. And I think that leads me to my second point, which is the not aligned to who you want to work with. It's funny when I look throughout my entire career, actually, it's not funny at all, but it does make me pause and consider things. When I look through my entire career, there have absolutely been people that I loved and would work with them for the rest of time. And yet someone like a peer on my team thought they were horrible or the reverse. I thought they were not great as a boss and someone else that I worked with was like, you're overreacting, they're fine. But I thought they were the worst ever. Have you ever had that happen 
or seeing that happen to someone else in your career? Yeah, it's interesting, you know, when, I mean, there's so many, so many different stories that I could share, but (laughs) definitely happened. I can say that. Yes. It's definitely interesting um, when you take a look at some of those, those different aspects, because different levels happen to different people all the time. Right. I also think, um, and I'm going to, I'm going to share an example. I think as you grow as an employee and as you become more confident in what you do, you change as well and you become more comfortable. You and I have talked a number of times about someone I've worked for in the past who was a micromanager. And that drove me crazy because while she had no idea how to do her job, and that was why she really had her hands in everything. I knew how to do my job. And so you guys have heard me say this before as a follower of situational leadership. I'm a strong believer that you don't tell people who know how to do their jobs, how to do their jobs. Micromanaging a high performer is always going to result in bad things for you and for the high performer. And that was what I felt like. I felt like I was being suppressed and controlled to the point that I stopped wanting to be the overachiever that I used to be used to being in the past. I stopped taking extra initiative. I stopped thinking three steps in advance because I was just frustrated with having someone constantly micromanaging every step of my process. Today, when I think back to that situation, I wish that I had simply made the recommendation of scheduling a meeting with her once a week where we could just do a download of the entire process. She didn't know to ask for it um, because she, again, she was new in her role and not super comfortable in that department. So she didn't know what to ask for. I could have offered that up. I wasn't in a place where I did. Today, when I look back at that, I really think that I contributed to the frustration in that relationship as much as my boss did. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I think um, sometimes when you're a new leader, you can S1 and R4 and you can, and we're talking lingo yeah. here from situational <laughs> leadership for those of you listening. And so there are times where you don't realize you're doing that as a new leader or new leader to an organization or to an individual and trying to understand and identify where they're at. You just kind of jump in and you make assumptions Um or uh, your skill set may not necessarily be there. So I can I can see how it's frustrating to the leader because they're not as either uh, developed or understanding of where you were at, uh, for example, in that search situation. And I can understand your frustration because you're like, just let's talk about this and then you'll understand where I'm coming from. <laughs> yeah, and I think that becomes a key piece in what you have to recognize when you start to think that you are in a toxic environment. Maria, I know that you and I have used some clinical phrases like narcissist uh, before when talking about certain leaders. And I do want to pause, and this is the reason for this particular section, 
is neither of us started using that word easily or quickly. Uh, neither one of us, in, in regards to the, the situation in my experience or the situation that I experienced, and you got to live through my stories, neither one of us immediately started using clinical terms because honestly, we're not psychiatrists and we don't get to diagnose people that way. But the longer we analyzed the situation, the more we realized the extreme manipulation and negative emotional impact that my leader had, not just on me, but on those around me. Um, And that's what this piece is really about, guys, is we just want to make sure you don't go from zero to 60 and say, my boss is a sociopath, that you go, okay, let's look at this. Okay, is this a reoccurring behavior? Is there something I could say or do? Is this negatively impacting my health, whether it is your physical health or your mental well-being? And that you go through a process before you just decide to say someone is toxic. Yeah, because we all know that people can just jump right to that. I'm in a toxic work environment. This is dysfunctional. Um, You know, my boss is crazy. Like, this is all common terminology we see. (laughs) Yeah, we say it a lot. I, I mean, I have to admit, I've probably said a dozen times since my first job when I was 14 years old, I probably said, my boss is crazy. And sometimes it's simply because I didn't agree with what choice they made. So if you think through, how do I decide if the level of toxicity in my work environment is enough? I would say step one is to start with some internalization and some reflection. And it it does start with some self-reflection on your performance. You know, asking yourself if there is anything about your performance or your attitude that could be negatively contributing to the situation. Once you go through that, you've had an honest conversation with yourself. Let's say you find out that the answer is no. Then I would say start to ask yourself if there is something going on in your boss's life that could be causing them to act out of character. So is this behavior a pattern? Is it consistent? Does it happen with people other than you? Is it something that's happened recently? Maybe the company's gone through some major changes and they're stressed out. I'm not suggesting that that is an excuse for people's behavior. But if you're not going to let your boss use it as an excuse, then when you have a high stress situation in your life, don't use it to excuse your behavior either. We often want to be able to say, but I'm under a lot of stress. That's the only reason I'm behaving this way. But we don't afford someone else that same courtesy. So pause and ask yourself, is this an anomaly? Or is this truly who they are? And then that piece alone, I'm going to tell you between analyzing yourself and then trying to understand where your boss is coming from, think about their situation. Like I said, with my micromanager boss, if I had actually paused and said, she's new to this department and guys, 
if you've ever been a part of HR, a lot of times looking at HR, people are like, oh, you guys have the fun jobs. You get to plan parties and stuff. Come hang out with us for a week. There is nothing fun. Actually, it's all fun in my opinion. But most people hang out with us for a week, Maria. And they're like, oh my God, is that really your job, right? Yeah, you really have to love what you do to be in some sort of function within you know, the people realm, right? So you have to love chatting on the phone. If you're in talent acquisition, you have to love investigations and talking about the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it um, from an HRBP perspective. You have to love systems and analytics if you're on the system side of things. Like there's just so many different, you know, you have to love facilitating and talking to people and interacting if you're in talent development. So there's so many different angles, but you really have to be passionate about it all. Yeah, and if I had thought through her experience, she came from a very operationally based position where tasks were clearly defined. There was not a lot of gray. Everybody knew what they had to do. And then she steps into this world of nothing but gray. Um, I know there's some black and white rules in HR, but there is so much color and shades of gray that it's hard to just say in this situation, I would do this because there are too many questions to be asked. And if I'd pause long enough to say, new to the company, new to this department, completely out of her element, grabbing on for anything, if I'd paused and done that second part that I suggest you, you do, that analysis part, I probably would have realized she was just trying to look like she knew what she was doing every day when she was around her peers, when she was around her boss, when she was around me, when she was around my peers, she was leading people who had 10 times the experience she had in this department. So if I paused, I might've changed my behavior then. So that's why I'm suggesting you got to stop, look at yourself and what you might be doing and then look at her and then, or your boss. If there are things that you think could be adjusted, you need to put on your big grown-up pants and have a conversation that might not be comfortable so that the two of you can come to a compromise on how to work successfully with each other. Yeah, you know, it's a great point, Michelle. There's a couple of things, you know, listeners tuning in right now could say a couple of things. Well, why did the organization prematurely promote somebody who wasn't completely developed? That's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day because we could, we could have, I don't know, we probably had a series on it already. I have to take a look, but that is a topic, right? Like, There's so many companies that have rapid growth or expand out and scale in certain areas or locations geographically, and they take their best subject matter expert person and put them into leadership positions. So you need to look past some of that. What's done is done. How do we get them the feedback so you can be successful with the leader that you have there and then they can continue growing and developing? Because you know, leaders do need to have that experience, may not necessarily be a first time leader, they may have had leadership experience, they just may not necessarily have had to lead somebody like you. And that's completely different. And, you know, we've seen that as, you know, as leaders develop, I've experienced it through my leadership growth and development. I've led people who with with different types of personalities, different types of experience that I hadn't managed in the past, during, you know, my early years of leading. And, 
it's different. It's a challenge. And what's really important is what Michelle mentioned is communicating because what happens is that employees wait until it's built up because of the uncomfortable conversations that should be had at the beginning when they're probably not as uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of a number of the tools from the book, The First 90 Days. And one of them is something that Dr. Watkins calls the five conversations. And, um, you know, I think back and when I took that role that, I was, that I've been talking about in this episode, I actually remember scheduling time to have the five conversations. And each conversation covers um, a different topic so that you can focus on one element. Um, one of them is simply how you communicate with your leader. You know, what, what does good look like? How often do you want to check in? Those kind of things. One conversation is about expectations. You know, what do you expect from me on a daily basis? What kind of results do you expect throughout the year? What are my resources is one of the conversations. And I actually remember planning them out. And unfortunately, while I recognized they were important because of having taught multi-unit leaders for so long in my life, my boss at the time didn't, again, new to her role. She was like, let's just move on. Let's talk about what needs to get done. And so a lot of those conversations, like you said, in the beginning would be so much easier because you're setting the expectations up front. And so things don't get sketchy like they did with us. We never had those conversations. So by the time I was frustrated to Maria's point, I just didn't want to have the conversation at all. The next place is, let's say you go through that self-reflection and you think, you know, there's some things I can try, but they don't work. Or you think, no, I've really tried them all. And this person is truly toxic. So I think about it on kind of two axes, if you will. So if you think about high or low and falling somewhere along this scale, I would start by saying, to what extent do they negatively impact your ability to do your job effectively? Because at the end of the day, here's the deal, guys. We want you to be emotionally healthy. It's probably one of the topics that we at Real Talent talk about all the time is about the importance of treating employees well. But at the end of the day, you have a job because you are hired to do something also. So that's why I start with that first question is, on a scale of zero being no impact and 10 being makes it impossible, how much do they impact your ability to do your job effectively? And if you start to range at that, that I would say three to six mark place and you say, um, depending on the situation, they can have a detrimental impact on my ability to be quality focused or hit deadlines or think creatively, that's where I would say the conversation needs to happen. We're not at a point that this leader is making it impossible for you to get your job done, but they're making it difficult. And so those are the places where you need to, to be able to suck it up and go, here's the deal. If they say they're not going to change, then nothing is different than it was yesterday. And you get to make better choices in the future, knowing that they're not going to change. But if you ignore the conversation completely, you give the two of you 
no chance to align so that you become more effective. I think those are great points, Michelle. I think this is what's critical for people to understand if you're an employee having those challenges or if you're a leader having those challenges with other leadership above you or if you're leading you know, your direct reports. So I think that's critical for individuals to stop and assess because I think emotions get in the way of trying to sort through what's transpiring. Agree completely. So any last minute uh, tips for those listening, Michelle? Yeah, I would say it's never too late to reset. So pause, ask yourself those questions. Now, here's the last one. And this is, we want to leave you with a few teasers and tips. There'll be significantly more tips and advice as the book comes out. But if you find that you are frustrated to come to work every day, you're getting snappy with other people, your family, you're taking frustration out on them, you are losing your appetite, you're not taking breathers or breaks from your job. If you find yourself constantly asking yourself, am I the problem? And you can't figure out how you're actually the problem, that your emotional mental well-being may be at risk. In those cases, I would encourage you to reach out to someone who is trained to help. Reach out to friends. If you're not ready to go to a therapist yet, reach out to people who will help you see the truth of what is happening versus the stories you're making up in your head. I would also say on a scale of one to 10, the closer you get to them having a negative impact on your emotional well-being, um, it's time to seriously consider walking away. You want to do that smartly. We can help you do that in a smart way. But if you want to maintain your emotional stability, it might be time to get away. Well, you heard it here. So stay tuned for our next two episodes where we close this out. We provide a little bit more clarity and we give you some uh, tips and tricks on leading through toxicity in the workplace. Until next time, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.